Oh, yes, church family. This month, we are asking ourselves that question, are we faithful? And we have got to address that question, are we faithful, of all of these super important questions that you have to ask and answer in your life. Let's just think of all those really important questions that you have to answer. Questions like, where am I going to go to college? Will I go to to college? What profession am I going to get into? How am I going to invest my money? Do I really need that car's extended warranty, right? Is Andor the best television show that has ever been made? Really important questions like that. The answer to that question is yes, right? We don't really have to think about that. I understand that's a question that doesn't really touch every single person in here. We have to ask really, really important questions in our life. Am I going to marry this person? Of all the important questions that you can ask yourself, I think perhaps the most important question is, am I faithful? Do I really trust in the God of the universe? Am I really a Christian? Am I walking the path of discipleship? And over these few weeks, we are investing our worship time or our sermon time in answering that question, or at least addressing it. And today, we're addressing that question in the realest way possible through our finances. We're talking about finances today. We're talking about money. Now, I understand that the world has conditioned most of us to not want to talk about money, (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time. The world has conditioned most of us, Christian or non-Christian, into not wanting to talk about money. Most of us have been conditioned to not even think about money. But I want to ask you, even from a secular perspective, how's that working out for us? Not talking about money, not addressing money. You know the statistics. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Most people have not saved a dime for retirement. And so not talking about money is devastating to us. It's devastating to our personal finances. It's devastating to our economy. And for us Christians, it's devastating to our hearts and our soul to not want to talk about our finances. As a Christian, you may know that our faith and our finances are absolutely intertwined. Do you know that? Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if you are interested in knowing what the state of your heart, what the state of your soul is, all we need do is look at the state of our treasure. I think you and I need some financial advice today. We need some financial advice. We don't like to talk about money, so let's talk about money today. If you were going to turn to somebody for financial advice, who would you go to? Probably a a wise relative or maybe a financial planner. At the very least, most of us would go to somebody who has money, who is rich, who is wealthy. I understand that's what most human beings would do. But if we asked Jesus who we should go to for financial advice, Jesus is going to point us towards somebody very, very unexpected. 
And so today, our scriptural foundation is the account of the widow's might. The account of the widow's might. That's an old school term. I don't even know what it means, to be honest with you. <laughs> it has something to do with money. We're talking about the widow's offering today. We're in Mark chapter 12. If you have your physical Bibles, please turn there with me. We're in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. And I'd like to read to you just four verses. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in the temple and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, put in everything, all that she had to give, all that she had to give. I surrender all. I surrender all. Let's dig deep into this account. Let's unpack this story. The first thing I want to say, and this is a really interesting fact about this account, it's, it's not a story at all. It's a real historical event. Jesus didn't make up this story to prove a point, as is the case with parables. Jesus actually observed this with his own two eyes. This actually happened in the temple in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. This account happened because Jesus was people watching. Anybody else like to people watch? You like to people watch? Any, any good locations that you guys have? I just want to throw it out to you guys. I love the people watch. The airport. Tracy was very quick to say the airport. That must be a good place to people watch. Any other good places to people watch around here? I need to know the latest scoop. The Walmart's a good... There's a website dedicated to that in there, Matt. The mall is probably a good place. Nobody said the best place yet. Happens once a year around this area. It's one of my favorite places. This, this is almost cheating to say this is the best place to people watch. How about the Renaissance Fair? Have you, if you've never people watched at the Renaissance Fair, and I go to the Renaissance Fair every year, by the way. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying it's a good place to people watch. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so this whole account happens because... Jesus is, is people watching in the temple. The temple complex in Jerusalem is a huge complex. Hundreds and hundreds of people would have gone through there on a daily basis. Thousands of people would have gone through there during the high holy days. Jesus is people watching. Specifically, he is hunkered down right in front of one of the offering baskets in the temple, watching people put their offering in. Now, their basket looked a little bit different than ours does here at Crossroads. This is what their basket looked like right here. Looks like something Walter White would have used. That's, a, that's an interesting basket. High security, I think. That long neck, right? High security. <laughs> you know what it looks like? It's, you know, one of those things in the mall or in a museum where you put a coin in and it swirls around? <laughs> we should get one of those here for Crossroads. These things, there, there wasn't one of these in the temple. These things were scattered all throughout the, the temple, and Jesus is watching 
one of these things, again, just watching people demonstrate their faith, watching people demonstrate their faith. Here's what Jesus observes. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, you might be asking yourself, how in the world did Jesus know exactly what the widow was putting in? Well, think back to that that picture, that big clay pot. The deal with that big clay pot is when you threw a coin into that clay pot, it made a, you know, it made a, oh, that was, that was anticlimactic. It made a ringing sound. You could hear people put, put uh, their coins in that receptacle. And, and the deal is with the rich people, when they put in their large coins and their heavy coins and a lot of these large heavy coins, it made a lot of noise when these things plunked, plunked, plunked in this large Bunsen beaker receptacle. In fact, it was a source of pride for the rich people to come in and say, look how much I'm giving, hear how much I'm giving. It was a source of pride for the rich people, not exactly what God intended when he asked his people, the Israelites, to give. But then there's this widow. Then there's this widow. She comes over. She's obviously not financially wealthy, and Jesus sees this widow. He doesn't really pay attention to all the rich people, but this widow comes over, and he gathers all of his disciples around. He kind of does one of these things. He's like, hey, hey guys, check this out. Check this out. This woman is going to teach all of us a lesson right now. Yes, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. How could that be? They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now, as a pastor, I I love talking about money. I really do, because it's not about money, it's about faith. And I realize that any time that you and I talk about money, I probably say something along those lines. It's not about money, it's about faith. And I, I know there's always some skeptics among us that probably roll their eyes at that statement. But here, right in front of you, is the proof of the validity of that statement. It is not about the money. It is about faith. It's not about money. It's about trust. Do you know that God doesn't need our money? God wants our hearts. Now, now the church needs our money to operate, of course, but God doesn't need our money. God wants your hearts. We know that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We know that. Friends, we just sang the song, I Surrender All. Have we really surrendered all? I suspect we want to. I suspect and I pray that most of us in here want to surrender all. Maybe we haven't yet. But that's why we're here. That's why we're together. That's why we're talking about this. For the rest of our time today, let's explore three ways that you and I can surrender to Jesus Christ. Three ways in which this woman surrendered all to her God. The first thing I want to talk about, this is so exciting. I get excited about this because it's not about money, it's about faith. 
the first thing we may do is surrender with intention. Surrender with intention. Here's what I mean by that. That woman knew exactly what she was going to give before she left her house. That woman knew exactly what she was going to give before she left her house. Now, how in the world do I know that? Well, it says right there in the scripture, she gave all she had. She gave all she had. And for whatever reason, all she had, all of her liquid assets amounted to two very small copper pennies. That was her liquid assets for that time period. She left the house with all of her liquid assets. And she knew that she was going to put those two copper pennies in the offering basket or in the offering Bunsen beaker in the temple. And so again, that woman knew exactly what she was going to give before she left the house. Why is this important? Because for us today, if you and I are not giving intentionally, we are giving randomly. If we are not giving intentionally, we are giving randomly. In fact, a lot of American Christians give kind of randomly. And I don't know where this tradition started, but I suspect that those rich people 2,000 years ago were giving randomly. And in any case, it's time for us to address it. Here's the real problem when you and I give randomly to God's work, and I don't want you to give randomly, the problem with it is if, if, if we leave our house and we don't know what we're going to give to God, if we sit down in a worship service and, and we just kind of reach into our pockets and put in the basket whatever bill we happen to have at the time, the real problem with that is you're probably doing that because you feel like you have to. You're probably feeling that because you're, 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 you're feeling coerced into doing that. You feel like you have to do it. If I don't do it, right, I'm going to get some sideways looks. That's not why Christians give. And I never want you to feel like you have to give. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly. Not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love this statement. I hope you have never, ever in your life felt guilted into giving. If that's where you are now, please stop. Please give with intentionality. Please make a decision. Make it a faith-filled and joy-filled conversation, either with yourself or with your family. Make it a line item on your budget. Surrender with intention. Second, you and I may surrender with humility. We may surrender with humility. Boy, is this important. We just discussed a few minutes ago how the rich people made a show of their offering. The rich people made a show of their offering, throwing their heavy coins in so everybody could hear how much status they had. Their giving wasn't about God. It was about them. Their giving wasn't about God. It was about them. That's not great. 
Now, right before this story happens, right before Jesus sat down to people watch, Jesus said this, watch out for the teachers of the law. Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. What Jesus is saying here is watch out. What Jesus is telling you and I is to watch out. If your faith is more about yourself than it is about God, watch out. I'm going to say that one more time because I know there is somebody in here that needs to hear this. If your faith is more about yourself than it is about God, please be very, very careful. That's a lesson Jesus teaches us right before the widow, then right after Jesus and his disciples observe the widow in the temple. This happens. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, at the massive stones. What magnificent buildings. <laughs> Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. <coughs> and so this account of the, the widow's might is bookended on either side by Jesus' warning about pride. Jesus is warning us emphatically, it's not about you it's not about you. It's not about human accomplishment. It's not about building an earthly kingdom. Look at this woman. She has one concern, building a heavenly kingdom. It's about God. It's about the kingdom of God. Giving for the wrong reasons is a pride issue. Giving to make a show of it is a pride issue. Not giving is a pride issue. And what Jesus Christ invites us into is to set aside our pride for humility, to set aside our own, to set aside our own kingdom for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for inviting us into a better way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for inviting us to surrender with humility. I know it's tough to talk about finances. I know it's tough to talk about humility or our lack of it. That's why we're here today, friends. That's why we follow a different way. And finally, and most joyfully, you and I who are following that different way are called to surrender with trust. Surrender out of trust. <laughs> this is why I love talking about giving. This is why I love talking about giving. Giving is a gift. Giving is a gift, not just to the recipient. Giving is a gift to the giver. Do you understand that? Giving is a gift to the giver. How could that be? 
Well, I truly think the most valuable currency in the universe, not the dollar bill, not the pound, not the yen, the most powerful currency in the universe is our trust in the God of the universe. Does that make sense? Or is that a corny statement? Maybe that's a corny statement. Maybe that doesn't make much sense. Here's the deal. This thing is a strange little thing, isn't it? It's a piece of paper. Very interesting. Makes the world go around. At the end of the day, it's a piece of paper. We're heading into a recession, and this recession is going to show us that this thing fluctuates in value all the time. You understand that, right? In my parents' in my parents' lifespan, let's say in the 1960s, do you know what this thing could have bought in the 1960s? How many gallons of gas could this buy in the 1960s? Do you know? Four gallons of gas you could buy with this little thing right here. Four gallons of gas. You know how many cups of coffee you could buy with this? 20. Buy 20 cups of coffee with this dollar bill. If I walked into Starbucks, gave them a dollar, they would give me a sixth of a cup of coffee. How about sports? This little thing could buy you a ticket to the World Series in the 1960s. Do you know how many of these it would take to buy the average ticket to the World Series that just ended a few weeks ago? We would need 3,000 of these. This is a strange little thing. It's a piece of paper. It's a promissory note. It's not even backed up by the gold standard anymore. And perhaps someday in the future, hopefully not for a very long time, this may be worthless. Perhaps this may be worthless. And so is it really that far-fetched to say that trusting in God is a better investment than this. Is it that far-fetched? That's why I say trust in God is the most valuable currency in the universe. It does not fluctuate. It does not go up and down. It always remains the same. It is at the same time priceless and limitless. Speaking of trusting in God, trust and faith do not operate within the bounds of economics or scarcity. And that's why I say that trust is the most valuable currency that we have. And when I say that truly giving is a gift to the giver, what I mean is that in giving, you exercise your trust. In giving, you exercise your trust. Faith is exercised in the action of giving. And when you and I get to a point in our life that we can hold on loosely to the things of this world... When you get to a point in your faith that you can truly hold on loosely to the things of this world, you will be trading in the most valuable currency in the universe. And that's the currency of faith in the Creator. The rich folks in this account, they weren't demonstrating faith, they weren't demonstrating trust. And even though the rich folks' gift was bigger than the woman's, they weren't sacrificing anything. They were not demonstrating their trust at all. 
You see, they gave out of their wealth, but the woman out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. More money, less faith. More money, less faith. The rich folks gave more money, something we value, but they had no faith, which is what God values. And frankly, all of this comes down, friends, to what we value versus what God values. All of this comes down to what we value versus what God values, and you get to make the choice what path you are on. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for Christ's love compels us. For love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died and was raised again. You and I are called to walk a different path. And for those of us who, who, who feel uneasy about talking about money, for those of us who feel uneasy even talking about faith and trust, that's the way of the world. But friends, you and I are called to a different path. We can continue to hold on to the currency of this world that will go away, or we can deal in the currency of the eternal. Just remember Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. You know that's a true statement. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that's a true statement. Nothing you possess will last forever. Not your home, not your car, not your clothes, not your stuff. We can make a very long list of all the things that will be in a garbage can or a rust heap very soon. But let's turn to the joyful. Can we make a list of everything that will last forever? You will. You will last forever. Your integrity, your faith, your walk with Jesus Christ will last forever. How do we demonstrate trust in the forever? We hold on loosely to the things of this world. We hold on loosely to the things of this world. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. If you know me, you know that C.S. Lewis is my favorite theologian. He puts giving like this in his book, Mere Christianity. Lewis says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. I'm afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. We're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. Because when we give, if it doesn't hurt at all, if it's not a stretch at all for us, is it really faith? Perhaps that's why God asked us to do it. I understand that that reading what C.S. Lewis wrote truly is foolishness. 
It's foolishness, isn't it? To somebody who doesn't trust in Jesus, it's foolishness. It is foolishness to give. It is foolishness to sacrifice. It is darn sure foolishness to sacrifice or to give sacrificially. It is foolishness to serve our neighbor. It is foolishness in times of uncertainty like we are heading into to give. May I be a fool for Christ. May I be a fool for Christ because the way of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. And may I be a fool for Christ. Friends, I want to introduce you to another fellow fool for Christ. You may know him. Here's his story. I heard a preacher say, you know, God only says, test me once in the Bible. And it's about giving. And I'd only come to Jesus in my 20s and I was moving along and thought, all right, well, if God's given me everything and he says, you can test me on this, I figured I'd go ahead and try it. So I started giving 10%. A lot of people quit cold turkey. I actually started cold turkey. And it just always fit that God was being faithful and making sure that as long as I was giving, I had what I needed. God has proven himself over and over with us. Probably the biggest time was when I was told in July, the end of July in 2017, that my job was going away in September. September 1st was going to be my last day. We had just moved to Greensburg, had moved my mother-in-law out of her house into our house. We did what we should have done. I made phone calls, I sent out resumes, Tracy made contacts. Nothing really came of it. I got a phone call out of the blue from somebody I'd never heard of to go work for a company I didn't know existed at basically the same salary I was making. I didn't have any connections, I didn't have contacts, I didn't have a network in Pittsburgh. The only way that could have possibly happened is that God orchestrated it. God made it happen. We didn't even think about changing our giving because we knew God had it. God was providing for us and he would provide. Probably the best thing I've seen though is what this has done for my daughter. When we give, at least up until very recently, we would still write a check and put it in the basket Sometimes when Carly was younger, when the basket was being passed, we'd give her the money to put in the basket because we wanted her to know this is part of being a Christian. This is part of following Jesus. So when my daughter got her job at Chick-fil-A, she came to us and said, well, how do I get my money out of the bank because I need to start giving? That's a great dad moment. That's a great mom moment. That to me. That couldn't work out better. So I trust God with my finances because he has always proven himself faithful. If you have never tried giving before, it's the only place God says, test me. Why not try it? Thank you, Garth, for that testimony. Hey, listen, <clears throat> I know we've been conditioned to not want to talk about our finances. We've been conditioned to not want to talk about our money. Is it because, 
It's uncomfortable talking about faith. It's uncomfortable looking in the mirror and really asking ourselves the question, do I have faith? Am I really walking the path of discipleship? That's uncomfortable sometimes because sometimes the answer is no, no, I'm not. But I want to, but I want to. Friends, someday we're going to meet this woman. You ever think about that? We're going to meet this poor widow face to face in the glory of heaven, and we are going to find out that this poor woman is not so poor after all. She is very, very wealthy because she was dealing in the currency of faith. I wonder what this woman would have to say to us today. What if this woman could reach down from heaven right now and offer us some financial advice? What would she say to us about our spending habits? What would this woman have to say to us about our level of faith? I wonder. But you see, friends, she is talking to us. This woman is talking to us today through the miracle of God's word. The only question is, what is she saying to you? What is this woman saying to you today? Would you pray with me? Father God, would you please, please increase our trust in you. We love you. We worship you. Father God, we want to trust in you. We want to give our whole self to you. We want to surrender all. Lord God, it is so difficult with the world conditioning us the opposite way every day. Lord God, would you help us reject the way of the world? Would you help us to embrace all of the gifts that you have for us? One of those precious, precious and elusive gifts is holding on loosely to the things of this world. Lord God, all of this, we pray in your precious son Jesus' name.